Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning back in to The Horse Fix. This is a place you can get your horse fix and perhaps fix your horse at the same time. I'm Sandy Holt, and I'm coming to you from the training facility of Winter Haven Ranch in Aubrey, Texas, Horse Country, USA. Today is a great day. It's nice and warm, but pretty windy. In fact, in this episode, you may hear the wind howling outside the door. So please forgive me if I'm not able to edit that background sound. Today, I have a very special guest, someone who I've known just a short period of time, relatively, and really have admired and appreciated what she does in the horse world and in the community as a whole. So in a moment, I'll let her tell you all about her venture and her journey along the way. But in general, I want to talk about obligation, ambition, integrity, and responsibility. So let's get started. Olivia DeStacia, welcome to The Horse Fix. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me today. So Olivia... I met you, let's see, it was a few months ago, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you approached me in order to judge one of your events. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell the people about Blue Sky Therapeutic and Respite and what you're about and what the organization is all about. Right. So Blue Sky Therapeutic Writing and Respite is a therapeutic community here in Aubrey, Texas. Our founder, Julie Cody, is a very ambitious and wonderful horsewoman. And her heart was in the special needs community and therapeutic writing for special needs children and adults. But we also have a program that provides continuing job and life skill training and education to our adult citizens with special needs. So Amy Gayhart, she's our executive director. She really spearheaded the whole purpose program, the continuing job and life skill training program for our adult citizens. She saw a gap in our community and really, really in our world for supporting our special needs adults after the age of 21 opportunity for our adult citizens drastically decreases. Mm -hmm. So with the Blue Sky Purpose Program, it really fills that hole and it provides the continuing support, continuing community and educational opportunities for our adult citizens. So you consider the adults 21 and up. Yes. And you have about 60% of your community is adults? Roughly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do they ever age out? No, actually. Yes. So, and that was a really profound concept. They're going to grow into an adult and then that adult is going to become a later life adult and finding programming and community support through their entire life is a really, really big thing. Give me an idea of what actually the purpose program is. Right. The purpose program, it's more than just finding something to do. It's finding what you were created to do and sharing it with the world. That's the whole philosophy. I mean, we wholeheartedly believe that we were all, every single person on this planet, were designed with purpose and we were designed to live in community. Mm -hmm. We were designed to work and the same is true for our special needs citizens. Also, the other side of the sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And at Blue Sky, our purpose partners, our riders, our families, our special needs families, 
they belong together. They belong with us and in our community. And that sense of belonging in your community, in the world, in the work that you do is so important. We mm-hmm. know for us, in general, it's so mm-hmm. it's so important for our, our special needs citizens as well. Yes. And, you know, when I was there, came time to give the awards away. I noticed right off that everyone was so supportive of each other. When I would mention a name, they would all applaud and they would repeat that name. And mm-hmm. I mean, the um, camaraderie and the genuine support was mm-hmm. unmatched. Yes. And the word you said, genuine, they are genuinely, authentically themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't think of another version of themselves. You know, they just are who they are. Yes. And their joy and their love and support from one another is so pure. And that's just what it is. It's just pure. So if you can, if it's not going beyond any rules, Mm -hmm. tell me, and you don't have to mention names if you don't want to, but tell me some of the types of special needs you have that participate. Sure, sure. We support individuals with uh, physical disabilities, cognitive disabilities, emotional trauma and emotional stress that they struggle with, mental health diagnoses as well. The whole term specialized needs, very um, mixed basket um, in our community. We have a lot of writers that have diagnoses of autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, mental health diagnoses such as chronic severe anxiety or depression, mm-hmm. PTSD, and who have experienced awful trauma. It's, it's very inclusive. Our name, we're Blue Sky Therapeutic Writing and Respite. The therapeutic writing and the respite, they speak to our writing program and our purpose program, but it also speaks to helping serve the families as well. The, our eight acres, we have a community garden. Um, mm, we have some goats that. and bunnies, you know. We're in a really beautiful location, so just being outside is therapeutic mm-hmm. for our families too. But also, during our lessons, we give one-hour lessons. So for that hour, that parent, that caregiver, that guardian, if they have siblings with them, maybe they can spend a little bit more one-on-one time with the sibling, or maybe they just take a nap on the couch in our purpose mm. room, mm-hmm. or go for a walk around the garden and just relax, listen to their favorite podcast, or read a little bit of a book. Mm-hmm. And they have their own respite as well, because um, being a caregiver, being a guardian of a special needs child or adult the job never turns off, you know, you right. never, right. you never get a break, mm-hmm. but we all need that respite. And, you know, I, I, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but your title is horse program director. Yes, ma'am. So that tells me that you're involved in caring for the horses mm-hmm. as well as directing the program with the lessons. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Olivia, I'm thinking that position is pretty lofty very ambitious to be there. Yeah. How did you get there? Yeah. So it kind of goes back with my, my story with blue sky. I started as a student observer with my degree program at Texas women's university back in August, 20 of 18. My degree from Texas women's university is in child development. You started at, at ground zero. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's perfect way of saying it is. And so 
after observing, then mm-hmm. you were a hands-on volunteer. Yes. And then after the volunteer position. So the next step after the volunteer service is um, declaring your intention to pursue a certification in therapeutic horsemanship. I remember the moment very clearly of when I was like, this is when, like, I, I want to do this. This is what I want to pursue. I want to get certified. And I was volunteering on this little writer's lesson. I'll call him M. And M, he was a young, super wiggly little boy <laughs> that, like, you were, you had to be very hands on with. And his family and his caretakers were like, it's okay. You have to guide him. You have to hold on to him. You gotta hand over hand maneuver him around. You gotta help show him where he needs to put his body, what he needs to do. And he's a runner. Like you have to chase after him. You had to catch him. You got to get him back on track. And he's little, so like you can't grab too much. And you got to pinch shirts and move him around and be extra careful. But the moment that he was put in front of the horse, there was definitely a change. He touched the horse. Uh, he tried to lick the horse. <laughs> um, M is nonverbal. Hence so, the licking, the licking. communication yes. is all tactile. Yes, yes. Encouraging that engagement mm-hmm. with the horse and responsibility and ownership of the task was really important. And then eventually we got on and he was just still and quiet. What I saw, what clicked is that M's energy and what he was experiencing was the same language that the horse was able to provide for him. Mm. It just calmed him. That was the moment. That was the moment. I was like, okay, how do I get certified? Where do I go for the process? How do I do it? And immediately after I started the process. So getting certified in therapeutic horseback riding, we use PATH International, the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship. They're certified therapeutic writing instructor process that took about a little over a year because while I was completing that certification, the process in which it was done changed a couple times. It was also COVID. Oh dear. So yeah. that happened. And so you had graduated from college by then? In 2020. So you were maybe a junior and you yes. still had a year to go with that. So yes. So I declared my intention for getting certified probably right after the spring of my junior year, going into my senior year. So mm-hmm. I started that simultaneously while I was finishing my degree. Wow. Yes. So that was quite an undertaking. That was. That was uh, quite an ambition. Yes. yes. And, and you know, there was a little bit of a lear- learning curve. Sure. Um, at the time, to get certified, you had to perform a working equitation pattern and walk, trot, and canter for a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pass or fail. And... It ended up changing to where you had to teach an able-bodied writer that same test. Oh, so boy. that's the process it is now. Right. So I had some wonderful mentors along the way that really helped me on my horsemanship and my writing ability and skills mm-hmm. to, ke- to kind of catch up on that sure. and get to where I was happy with it because they want to see you kind of be able to perform at a certain level to be able to teach. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Yeah been teaching all my life and I know how important it is that you have a working knowledge yourself and have a personal 
experience yeah. so that you can do the teaching. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to break this up a little bit and ask you, what do you see as the, the likeness of a horse and a child, whether it be able-bodied or special mm-hmm. needs? Mm-hmm. How can you compare the two as being similar? Including special needs children, they are incredibly observant and very aware and they, they, they rely on all kinds of senses to process the world when they don't yet necessarily have the educational knowledge or language knowledge to communicate the world. That's such a bullseye, Olivia, because yeah. I feel that, you know, when I'm training a horse, you know, it's my obligation, mm-hmm. my responsibility to give them an education. Yes. And without that, I can't expect them to understand or to acknowledge what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with that. Yes. What about the fight or flight yes. syndrome? Absolutely. I see this a lot with children who have experienced trauma. There's an increased sense of flight. There's an increased sense of fight as well. And you really have to be very aware of yourself and the energy that you're giving off, just as you would around a horse. Um, They sense the anxiety. They sense when something's off. But I also think that's such a beautiful pairing between the two Mm -hmm. and the therapeutic world that I see, or the therapeutic side of the horse industry. They're incredibly observant, and they pick up on that sense if there's something off kid if they're if they're sensing unsafe and and their fight or flight is starting to kick on we know that when our brain is in fear mode we cannot learn and it's the same with the horse when their brain is in fear mode they cannot learn yes Mm -hmm. that's so true and then how do you feel about allowing a child and allowing a horse to make a mistake you know This is my absolute favorite phrase, and I think I say this every single day at Blue Sky, whether I'm working with a child or one of our adults in our purpose program, is that you are allowed to make a mistake, you're allowed to learn from your mistakes, and you're allowed to feel safe from that. And this is a problem that we see in in the special needs community is that the over-apologizing for making a mistake. They're very sensitive. They are. They are. And and I always stop them and I'm like, no, you don't need to apologize for every little thing unless you hurt someone's feelings on purpose. You don't have to apologize for existing, for taking up space, for making mistakes. They have a right to learn. We let the mistakes happen. And our herd of horses are... They're professionals at their job. They know their job through and through. And they are probably the most gracious teachers and accept those mistakes very well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it gets to a point where you do have to redirect and you do have to give your input to help move on from the mistake and to learn from it, right? right? But the mistakes have to happen. And another one that just came to mind is, Mm -hmm. what is your take on the horse and the child, letting you know who they are and who they are meant to be. Because I know there's a parallel there. There is. Horses are very good at telling you (laughs) who they are, what they tolerate, what they like, and what they don't like. And we actually just recently had this experience with one of our horses. 
is that he went through a phase where he did not want lead line lessons. He wanted independent writers only. And he would have a kiddo or adult on his back. And if we were doing a lesson and he was being led around, mm-hmm. he was doing some naughty behavior that wasn't very cool. Like trying to bite the leader. Trying to bite like the leader, changing gait, trying to trot up a little Fascinating. bit. Um, a little silly. And there were no other signs throughout the lesson that maybe it's a bigger issue. Like he doesn't like the job. Yeah. It was I don't like this handling. I prefer something different. So we had to change up our program for him. He, awesome. he had to do independent lessons for a little bit, and he was very happy with well, that. Well, kudos for you for recognizing that. Yes. And not just saying, okay, you're an abstinent horse. You're going to do this or not. Right. You found his niche. You found his way of doing things mm-hmm. and allowed him to do it. Yes. He wasn't hurting anyone. Correct. Yeah. So our three most important values at Blue Sky is safe, happy, healthy. And we wholeheartedly believe that if our if our horses, if our herd is not safe, happy, and healthy, they will not provide safe, happy, healthy lessons for our riders. So their their needs are just as important mm-hmm. to continue to have safe experiences with our riders, to be able to take those mistakes so graciously. They have to like what they're doing and they have to feel valued respected and yeah. they have to let to be able to tell us who they are what they're willing to take on and what they're not and, and the children the same huh? the same they're the same there was this fun little writer he's so he's so funny um but this one he there was a massive power struggle he really felt like he needed to be in charge to feel safe in the situation mm. and i think a lot of times as adults, we have a hard time mm-hmm. letting some of that go. And then with horse people too, we have a hard time letting that go because yeah. there's maybe a little bit of pride there, but also safety. Safety is a huge thing and right. and it's hard to find the balance for safety. But this little writer, he, he had to be in he had to think he was in control, really. Yes, yes. And he had to think he was in I control. Think that's a really important issue. Yes, and I mean, I remember this lesson. He was on the horse's back, Gunner. He always ended up getting these kiddos that would try to jump off. Just oh, like no, <laughs> but he he was so good. It got to a point where he would tell me exactly when the rider was trying to. I would feel a change. Mm-hmm. Um, he would raise his neck. And he'd, he'd start to stop. And I was like, wait, what? And I turn around and a leg is almost coming over <laughs> his neck. And I'm like, okay, thanks, Gunner. That's good um, observation yes. on your part well, as well. That partnership, though, yes. is so important. Yeah. And there's more to that. But going back to the writer, I mean, I remember him. He was just like, I want to get off this horse. I don't want to do this. And you have to honor that sometimes. You do. Um, you do. And and let them tell you who they are in that moment. I am not someone who wants to be on a horse right now. That's right. And that's totally okay. I have run across so many of those um, type of students. I've done a lot of children. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most important things that I have learned through the years is that they have to feel that they are in charge. Yeah. And when I when I sense that they're afraid or they're, they're being pushed or forced, I immediately say to them, now you are in charge of this lesson, 100%. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me when you want to get on the horse and when you want to get off the mm-hmm. horse. 
you're going to tell me if you're afraid. You're going to tell me if you feel happy mm -hmm. or sad. And you're going to tell the horse as well. Mm -hmm. And just by saying those few things with that child, mm -hmm. they are so more willing mm -hmm. to go forth and mm -hmm. to do something with the horse. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's, it's respect. Yeah. I mean, just True. respecting. True. They're um, little people. They are. And you have to talk to them yeah. as such sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the special needs community, a lot of people unknowingly sometimes, sometimes intentionally, but subconsciously talk down to or, or over baby mm -hmm. take care of. And no, like you have to let them have a voice. And Now, did you just know this? Did, was that just your sense or did you, or were you taught to communicate with them that way? You know, it's, it's actually so hard. That was one of the mistakes I learned in my degree program is that one of my goals for my practicum was to observe and define ways to communicate with special needs children and adults. Okay. And my professor was like, no, you can't do that because it's so different for every child, for right. every adult. You will never see autism present the same in two people. It is different for every single person. Mm -hmm. And you really just have to be in tune and aware of what the person's telling you, what yeah. you're observing in the person and go from there. You have to let them lead the way and be willing to see that and code switch, right? You know, right. Kind of code switch to what, how, what and how they need to be talked to. I believe that people treat or teach you how to treat them. They do. They really I, do. I, you know, I've owned several businesses and been an entrepreneur and one of the things that one of my mentors told me years and years ago was, you train your customer. Yes. If you command respect, not mm -hmm. demand, but mm -hmm. command it, yeah. you will get it. Mm -hmm. But you have to go that extra yes. point into letting them know who you are yes. and what you will accept and not. Yes. Okay, so Olivia, we've talked a lot about the kids. Let's talk about the horses for a minute. So the process for herd selection is pretty intense and in that we are just very picky with what we are looking for in a horse. Should be. And we can't afford to not. With the herd selection process, we're looking for these characteristics and it's intelligence, kindness, level-headedness, and trust. It's so important that they have to trust people. The horse has to show some confidence in themselves. Yes. They have to. They have to be secure in who they are. Because we could have, have little eight-year-olds running around mm -hmm. or a 35-year-old jumping up and down. And, and that's a lot to process. And they have to be confident in their handlers. Do um, you test them? We, we put them through a couple tests. We, we're the crash dummies. We hop <laughs> on them and we flop around mm -hmm. and we'll like pick up some flags and move flags around and we'll have a leader do that while the person on their back is doing movement. But really all the, like we shake things 
or blow bubbles or throw balls to each other gotcha, while sitting yeah. on the horseback and everything and just testing their reactions, what desensitization, about, right? so important. Um, what about their movement? Is that an important issue? So, so important. So many of our riders with physical disabilities can have incredible imbalances. So really, we look a lot for horses that are very smooth, very slow and measured, Horses are so intelligent, they, they know the difference of who's on them at yeah. the time. I've had a horse that will move himself under the rider yes. when they feel the rider starting to lose yes. balance. Yes, yeah. So they have to be able to be aware and to balance themselves and the rider simultaneously. I've had a horse get stung by a wasp with the rider Ooh. on their back, and the horse did a little buck. And uh, the rider just sat up and came forward, but the horse immediately popped up his neck and the rider held on and the horse did not move a single muscle until the rider was sitting back down properly. He caught his rider because he he was, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. The intelligence, the kindness there, not every horse has it and not every kind, good horse can do it. Mm -hmm. And do you buy the horses or are they donated? A lot of our horses, you know what? Actually, all of them right now have been donated. Um, We have a couple that are free lease program horses. Mm -hmm. So they still have owners. We just use them in our program. And in turn, we take care of their care and maintenance, all of that. It's Um, a nice option. It is. It is. So if you have a horse that you're looking to retire that you think may be a good fit for a therapeutic riding job, you can reach out to your local therapeutic riding centers or ask around. Really in our community, how we've gotten our herd is just word of mouth. People who are friends in the program know somebody with a nice horse that's about to retire. Let me ask you this. Did they have to work hard every day? No. (laughs) No. Per certification guidelines, our horses don't work more than three hours a day. It's back to that safe, happy, healthy. They have to be healthy and fit enough to do the job because sometimes they're carrying imbalanced weight. It's so important that the horse likes the job. Job And behaviorally, they tell you when they don't like the job. With any discipline, with with any owner, with anything that you want to do with your horse, your dream for them may not be their dream for them. Exactly. And so you really yes. got to listen to your horse. Yes. Going down my list, um, circling back to what I talked about in the beginning, that we were going to talk about ambition. We certainly covered that. Yeah. You're a very ambitious soul. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very I'm in awe of you and what you Thank do you. and what you have done. And integrity. We haven't addressed that word, but you told me in just talking to me. Yeah how much you have integrity and you know integrity is what you do when no one's watching yes and i believe that your commitment to being a person with integrity Mm -hmm. definitely shines through thank you do you think so i hope so and i try so what's so amazing kids adults horses our special needs adults they will call you on your your, (laughs) yeah they will call you out if you are not being genuine if you're not being authentic if something's off they will tell you immediately Mm -hmm. and it reflects you know as a barn manager um, because that's also part of my title as horse program director 
the care for the horses has to be done properly. Our horses have to feel safe, happy, healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would show if it wasn't being done properly. That's true. That's true. Going back to what horses and children are like, you can never allow them to be hungry, cold, thirsty, Mm -hmm. uh, Social, social environment. Right, right. So an obligation. So you have been the horse program director for how long? It's been about a year now. About a year. Yes, ma'am. And how do you define your obligation to that? I think advocate would be a really good way to Mm -hmm. describe that obligation to advocate for the horses, to advocate for our special needs community, to advocate for the families right. as a whole. Right. Now, dividing out obligation and responsibility. Sure. How do you own your responsibility to the welfare of the horses and to the children? You know, you can't do it all yourself, I think, and you have to rely on mentors. You have to rely on people who have gone through certain experiences that you just haven't yet, or you have to rely on the knowledge of those um, who have more. I never want to be the smartest person in the room. I hope I agree. I hope I'm never the smartest person in the room. That may be a scary day. Um, <laughs> so tell me, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, mm-hmm. you didn't get through to that special needs writer that day. Mm-hmm. How responsible do you feel oh, about that? Yeah, that one's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I think for anyone who cares and has good intentions, they'll feel that way. Even though that special needs child or adult, they may not be able to communicate like we do. Mm-hmm. They do have a form of communication and it's all there for you to see and to learn and when there's that miscommunication between the two of us and they don't get the full experience of their lesson or they don't overcome an issue that was happening that day, um, I feel like I failed. And, you're <laughs> and that's, and you're hard that's on really hard. I'm very hard on myself. Yeah. Um, the fear of failure and letting those around me down and my community down is, is hard. It is. It is. But what would you tell someone that you were mentoring mm-hmm. about that subject? And if they lay their head down and feel so responsible and so feeling so mm-hmm. guilty, what is your advice to them? Because, you know, we all, as parents, one time yeah. or another, yeah. have, at the end of the day, have said, oh. I failed my child. Sure. Or I failed my horse. Mm-hmm. You have to give yourself grace, I Good. think. Yes. Um, and you have to make an effort to be better or to learn more or to move on from that issue. And I think that is a choice. Like you can really choose to not fix the issue or you can choose to overcome it. You have to recognize that we can all make mistakes and... Are you sure you're only 25 years old? You're so wise. (laughs) I I think you're just uh, such a wise person. Well, you know, we have to wrap it up in a minute. But what I I think for all of you out there, whether you are involved in something like Olivia is, whether you're just a parent, I don't say just a, (laughs) but you are a a parent Mm -hmm. or you're, you're in the workforce and you have people that you're 
obligated to or you're responsible for. Listen to Olivia's words and garner their, her information from that because, you know, we're all in the same boat, no mm -hmm. matter what. Mm -hmm. I think your task is probably, and your calling is probably a bit more profound than some of ours, but all of ours are important, mm -hmm. no matter what we uh, choose to do, no matter what our ambitions are. When we take it to heart and when we go that extra mile and we give it 120% and we do more than the other person was willing to do mm -hmm. to get there, then we have won the game. Yeah. So listeners, take heart to what Olivia has been talking to you about. She does fantastic work with people who need her desperately. And Olivia, tell us how someone might be able to get involved in a program like yours. Sure. If you're local to Aubrey, I mean, you can look us up at blueskytexas.org and get involved here. But if you're, if you're not local, do a Google search in your area of a therapeutic horsemanship program in your area. Um, every center needs volunteers. We run on an army of volunteers. So if you feel called, if it's on your heart to, to volunteer in a therapeutic program, um, don't hesitate to, to look out or to find it. And it's, it's gotta be rewarding. It is. And, and eye opening. It is. You learn every day. It's mm -hmm. never a dull day, whether <laughs> you're working with the horses that day or if you're providing lessons. Mm -hmm. But what's so fulfilling, like your heart just has to be in the right place. I really think so. And you got to know what drives you. Yes. So. Yes. And that's, that's key. Yes. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things for young people, especially mm -hmm. to find their passion. Yeah. Once you've found your passion, it gets easier. Yes. But just finding that, you know, hunting for what really moves you and what brings you joy and what lightens your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if all of you out there listening want to be given some light and you feel like this is something that would move you, take uh, Olivia's advice and look it up. Look up Blue Sky if you're in the area or look up Therapeutic Writing if you're not. And make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, so what else? Anything? Man, we covered a lot. We covered a lot. And there's a lot to digest there. There definitely and, is. You know, I could listen to you all day <laughs> and I have even more questions. So maybe we can have you back. I would love that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yes. Great. Well, Olivia, your brain is so full. <laughs> Do you get tired? <laughs> Great. Okay, guys. And so remember, obligation, ambition, integrity, and responsibility. Do you have that in your life? So, until next time, may all your blues be ribbons. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.